Welcome to the Total Brain podcast series, hosted by Dr. Evian Gordon, founder and chief medical officer of Total Brain. Welcome to the discussion on how exercise can change your life. I'm really glad to be speaking to Dr. Patrick Dunn, who presented the video and is the driver of the MOVE exercise habit in the Think Heart program. The Think Heart program can be found at thinkheart.totalbrain.com. And welcome, Pat. Well, thank you, Evian, and it's been an absolute pleasure to be working with you on the Think Heart program. Oh, it's been wonderful. And what a great time to really do a serious online lifestyle medicine program. So just briefly, Pat is the program director for Connected Heart Health and the architect of the Intelligent Health Solutions for the American Heart Association's Center of Excellence for Health Technology and Innovation. So what you did, Pat, in the 30-minute video on ThinkHeart was a masterclass on how staying active, I suppose, is, is one of the most important things that you can do to prevent heart disease and improve your personal well-being. And I suppose we all know that we were kind of built to move and sort of, for some people, exercise is also like a, described sometimes as a meditation to mo- in, in movement. But you really distilled the scientific evidence to why exercise is it's almost too good to be true, Pat. You know, this amazing data of how it can reduce stress, you know, lower your blood pressure, help in weight management, improve your sleep, improve joint and pain stiffness, maintain muscle strength and balance, reduce feelings of anxiety and depression, improve memory, and increase our lifespan, literally. So the video on ThinkHeart is able to be listened to many times where you distill the aerobic, the strength, and the flexibility exercises and specific ways to really do these programs. What I'd like to now turn to, Pat, as the focus of this discussion, is the how. How is it that we can help people use the exercise module on the ThinkHeart Calm, move, eat, and connect program. And so, what are your best examples as to how you have got the thousands of people that you've been through your exercise programs linked to the American Heart Association to get it to stick? What's been the magic sauce for you, Pat? Yeah, thank you. And, you know, to your point, if exercise was a drug, it would be a blockbuster. It really does everything right. And Virtually everybody can benefit from being more active and actually exercising. What that means may be different for different people, but it's definitely something you should be considering to be, you know, part of your lifestyle. Now, the trick is how do you get people to actually do it? So the big challenge is a lot of people know in their heads that exercise is important, but they either don't find the time, they lack the motivation, or frankly, they're just really unsure what to do. They don't know that they can be successful at it, so it's easier just to not do it. 
So that's really the challenge. How do you get people to actually do it? And, you know, one of the first things I would say is you literally have to take it one step at a time. So start small, start with where you are. And with where you are is being a couch potato, being someone who's pretty sedentary, doesn't get a lot of stuff. Then you don't have to go directly into running marathons. You should start small, take small steps, gradually increase your level of exertion. You know, do a little bit more each time. A little bit more could be going a little bit harder, a little bit longer, or a little bit more often. So there's a lot of ways that you can do that. And it can be very small incremental steps. It might be, I'm going to go one minute longer, or I'm going to go a half a block longer than before. And that's great. And as long as you feel like you're making a progression, you're building upon it, then eventually you'll get to your goal. Yeah, and I really love that first step emphasis for real here because we've seen that the power of a small step is that you win. And when you win, you secrete dopamine and the brain feels like that momentum and you don't have to tell it to come back. It will. So that's a great start. What's the second best focus that you have to make that sticky? Another thing is do the things that you love. Exercise should be fun. It doesn't have to be burdensome. It doesn't have to be something you hate or dread. So find the things that you love to do. You know, and if that's walking, that's great. If it's playing tennis, find the things that you enjoy. And it's going to be so much easier to stick with something that you love and that you have fun doing. You're not going to mind spending the time to do that. If it's feeling like sheer drudgery, like, oh, I just hate to do this, then that's a signal that you should maybe find something else or mix it up a little bit. You know, if you normally walk, but you're kind of tired of walking and you want to, you know, ride a bike or, you know, do do something else, then do that so that it doesn't get so routine that you're no longer getting the benefit from it. It's such a critical issue, Pat, that I think, again, sometimes the simplest things in behavior change, it's amazing. We sort of think that because they're so simple, they're not impactful. But there's a big difference between simple and simplistic. These are not simplistic. And the reason I think about choosing what you love is that when people find what works for them, we have found across the database and across the million and a half people who've done Total Brain that when they find what they love, they're more likely to do it. And then again, you get that momentum of winning. You do the small step. You know you want to do it rather than you should do it. It's the right place to start. And the other point is you secrete the right brain chemicals. When you love it, when you win at it, you've got the dopamine, you've got the oxytocin. By sharing it with others, you've obviously got all the endorphins from actually doing the exercise. It's just a wonderful chemical cocktail of positivity, momentum, confidence. It's once you're liking it. If you feel like you should do it, you've been told what to do and you're not choosing it, it's a whole different dynamic and one that is the evidence is much less likely to succeed. And your point about mixing it up, I'm fascinated by how variable people are always and how some people want just to do the same thing and just feel like they can improve that small percentage each time. But other people want variety. And that's the beauty of actually empowering people with the tools as we have on ThinkCard to mix and match in the way that you've described. So, yeah, 
I mean, even if you like what you're doing and you're comfortable with it, it's not a bad idea to mix things around every once in a while. You know, it, it just kind of helps your body kind of stay alert. So if you are just doing the same thing over and over again, it kind of gets routine and a little bit mundane. But quite honestly, your body isn't being stretched to its limits. So sometimes just mixing things around and then going back to your, your core activity is totally fine. Yeah, and it's been great on the, on the way you've designed in the program itself, in the Think Hot module and the plan that you've designed for people how structured it is that you really make it explicit as to when you have rest days, but you've also built in that mixing it up between aerobic and strength and flexibility. So there's just being confident about all those pieces, as you say, sometimes people don't know what to do. And then making that plan of exactly when and how long you're going to do it makes all the difference. So Pat, what's your third sort of uh, learning that, uh, that you found works? Yeah. You know, my third one is pay attention to your body when you're exercising. Your body will tell you when it's not happy. So tune in. You know, this is not a time to tune out. Sometimes people like to be distracted. You know, they like to be thinking and doing other things, which is fine. You know, if you like to listen to music, but don't do that at the expense of not listening to your body. By listening, I'm meaning, you know, be aware of your heart rate. Be aware of your breathing. Be aware of any signals or symptoms that your body may be telling you. If you're having pain, you know, your body is saying, hey, I don't like something that's going on here. And it might be a medical problem, like, you know, you're having chest pain, but it might even just simply be an injury. You know, my knee is sore and can't just keep walking through it. So listen to your body, communicate with your body. Your body will tell you when it's not happy. Your body will also tell you when it is happy, especially coming from your brain. You'll feel so much better and you'll, you'll be looking forward to the next session. If you're getting those negative signals like symptoms or pain, then that's also something to take note of. That's great, Pat. So that's a wonderful sort of structure of the first point of your small steps. The second, do what you love. And the third, pay attention what your body's telling you so you feel again in control a sense of you know self-control and a sense of again winning momentum confidence uh, benefit 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 so just to add one more level of granularity in the program you know pat we have the pars p-a-r-s to help again get this granularity to stick the habit to become consistent the prompt the action which you've already said is the small step and the reward, the self-reward. Could you give us one example of a PAR that works for you in exercise? And with the context of this question, I often get asked, which is, when is the best time to exercise? And what is a single example of a PAR that you feel sort of exemplifies, uh, you know, sort of what works? So as far as the when, it really depends on you. Some people like to exercise in the morning. That's a really good time to do it because your body's well-rested. At the same time, if your mind is thinking about other things, like all of the things that you need to do for the day, then it may be so distracting that you're not going to get a benefit. So some people prefer exercising after their day is finished. It really is a very personal thing. It also can be broken up. So it doesn't all have to be done in one bout. So it may be that you do part of your 
exercise or your activity in the morning. Maybe you take a walk around the block and then you get back to it later in the day and you, and you can finish that workout. There's no hard and fast rule on that. As far as the rewards, you know, a lot of these rewards, quite honestly, are intrinsic. You know, it's really feeling better and doing better. But there are times when a, a physical external reward is also helpful. The trick always is find something that maybe doesn't involve eating. So, okay, I'm going to reward myself by having a, a hamburger. Maybe, maybe that's not the greatest idea. So find something that can be a healthy reward. What I'm trying to do now is find non-food items to reward myself in that. So maybe, and a lot of times it might be around not only an exercise, but maybe achieving a desirable weight. I'll reward myself with buying myself something. But honestly, it doesn't even have to be a monetary reward. It may be, you know, I'm going to spend some time connecting, which I know is one of our other modules, but I'm going to take the day to call a friend or do something nice for somebody else. It doesn't always have to be something that you benefit from. Sometimes that reward can be a reward that you're given to other people as well. But it definitely needs some sort of reward for you to really have that motivation to to get to that next level. Yeah, that's a great summary. You know, the thing also is we've emphasized with PARS, so we have the prompt which you're saying could be uh, any time of the day what works. But then the small step, but one thing about most people and where the wiring and the habit seems to happen as well is also that, as you say, instantaneously when you finished your exercise to give yourself that internal reward, whether it's a, a fist bump or whether it's just a sort of your, a self pat on the back metaphorically, that recognition, that self-generated reward has been found to be, you know, very critical in wiring the habit. And, and that's why I think doing those three things in the same sequence uh, having a very consistent prompt, so you you know drawing on a something that's an established habit, like after you wake up in the morning or after you've had your first cup of coffee or before breakfast. I'll give you a personal example. So for me, my absolute favorite part of my workout is the immediate post-workout phase. So like literally that first twenty minutes after my workout, and that's part of my motivation. As I'm working out, you know, I know, okay, I'm 30 minutes or 20 minutes away from really feeling good. And <laughs> that is my motivation. And I'll finish my workout, I'll take a shower, and then I'll go in and I'll just relax. And I might relax with a book, I might relax with some music. But I find that period right after I work out to be the absolute best part of my day. Yeah, it's really good. And it leads us to the second phase of our discussion, which is about the benefits of exercise beyond exercise. But just before we move on to that, Pat, I want to just take a moment and just reiterate what we said. You know, one of the things that when you look at the literature of all the things in behavior change, the one thing that is unambiguous that you feel a benefit from immediately when you do it is exercise because it so changes your brain and body state. So it is intriguing to me to see that given the fact that the literature and everybody is sure that when people feel benefit, they'll keep doing it. And yet, even for exercise, despite the obvious immediate benefit, many people give up after a blush of enthusiasm, a membership at a gym or initial starting. And I think you've highlighted three crucial things 
that can help increase the likelihood dramatically from what we've seen, and that is simplicity. Keep it that small steps, do what you love, pay attention to your body, and above all, magnify what works. When people are doing what works, everything changes and it becomes a cascade upwards. And when people are doing what they feel they should or what they're being told to do, it seems over time to spiral downwards. Any last thoughts from you, Pat, before we move to looking at the synergies of exercise with other groups? Yeah, just part of that too is you, you don't have to be athletic to be successful at exercise and activity. So some people don't exercise, frankly, because they've had a bad or a negative experience sometimes around athletics or sports. They didn't make the team or they didn't finish the race. And quite honestly, who cares? So again, if you can find something that you enjoy and build upon it, you know, you may not be a world-class runner. You may not be the greatest tennis player in the world, but it doesn't matter. But don't worry if you haven't been able to do it before. If you find something you enjoy and find something that you can do, you can be successful with it. Great. So, Pat, let's move on to the final part of our discussion, and that is how does exercise synergize? How does it actually make the other habits better? You know, my view is our program of calm, move, eat, and connect is unique because Four, in actually, is better than one. And it's not often in changing behavior. It's much better to try to do one thing at a time. But the benefits of this is because they're all so interconnected that they all give you a lift. And then that lift becomes like combinatorially way bigger than each at a time. So let's end off with an example of how exercise benefits Stress, for example. Let's start with stress and then let's do eat and then connect. But let's start with stress. Yeah. You know, as an exercise physiologist, I've always found it interesting the interaction between exercise and stress. Because if you think about it, exercise is itself a stressor. And it makes your heart beat faster, your blood pressure increases, your rate of breathing increases. But the training effect the effect of exercise has the opposite effect. And it has the effect that is a stress reducing. So as you become more physically fit, your resting heart rate, your resting blood pressure will actually be lower. And it has a lot of other benefits from that. So I've always been fascinated and you can use exercise to actually get a stress relaxation response, just like if you're doing you know, a stress management type of technique. So I find them to be very interrelated in that perspective. Yeah, that's a wonderful example. This is deep physiology. The reality that is you get this incredible release from exercise, from our negative thoughts and the perseverative anxieties and preoccupation on magnifying negativity. You circuit break it with exercise in such a concrete way. And then there's this deeper relationship that whilst everything goes up when you're actually exercising, it all calms down and goes down in a deep way once you stop because you've built a new habit. You've built a different set of networks that are basically aligned with wellness. It's a wonderful example of how powerful 
that exercise and stress link is. One of the other wonderful pieces of evidence that I think, Pat, is that exercise we know decreases stress and then the decreased stress also boosts your immune system. So you have this cascade of benefit, which is coming back to the story that exercise seems too good to be true. And, and part of that could be because it so connects and activates other systems in a positive way. It's extraordinary. Okay, so that's the exercise and stress. What about exercise and diet? You know, I often, I often used to laugh when I used to read that, you know, you can't out-exercise a bad diet. And I certainly know that for myself. Let me tell you, it was embarrass, embarrassingly so. Give us an example of how the connection of how increased exercise will result in healthier eating, basically. Well, totally. And yeah, to your point, I mean, I would find it funny sometimes with the cardiac rehab patients that I would work with. And part of their, you talk about rewards, they would, you know, walk to the donut shop. And I was like, you know, hey, you can't do that because you're, you know, you're kind of blowing, you know, the whole, the whole thing here by overeating. But the reality is, you know, being more active and being more fit promotes good health. And it makes you want to be healthier and invites good eating habits. And quite honestly, the reverse is also true. As you start eating a more healthy diet, you feel healthier and you want to be more active. So, and quite honestly, your body doesn't really want foods that are high in sodium, high in fat and high in sugar when you're exercising and when you're trying to increase your fitness level. So quite honestly, if you're going for overall health, then diet and activity are kind of interwoven. And if you're going to do one, you might as well do the other. Yeah, that's such a true thing. The thing that's intriguing to me, though, is that I don't know anyone who doesn't eat in some way better when they are exercising. And to me, it's also about the brain. It's about soothing. When you exercise and you feel that circuit break, of your negativity and you feel the endorphins kick in and you're suddenly feeling that sense of high, it's much less likely that you're going to want to contaminate that soothing with junk food where you know that even if you, you have an, a short-term soothing from the junk food, from the sugar, oil, and salt, which we had become addicted to thanks to the food industry, but you don't want to contaminate it because you know that that junk food does have a short-term high, but it goes away and you feel worse afterwards. And so there's a mindset change that is incredibly powerful with exercise in terms, again, the main point, magnify what works and it starts interconnecting. So you're less likely to want to contaminate the winning formula for yourself. And that to me is part of the synergy of winning and of wellness. So let's end off with the exercise and connect. Yeah, you know, honestly, exercise is a great way to connect with people. So find someone to share you this experience with. And that may be exercising with somebody. It may just be simply somebody who's become an accountability partner for you or, or a buddy for you that you can kind of share your, your success and your, your progress with. So 
while you can exercise by yourself, you know, don't try to do this alone. So to the extent that you can connect, and quite honestly, it's connecting not only with other people, but connecting with yourself too. You know, really kind of look at your own goals and what you're trying to accomplish. And to the extent that you're connecting internally, I believe it'll help you to connect with externally with other people as well. Yeah, great way to end. Pat, I really am hopeful that when people listen to these discussions, they'll go back and see how each video, Shelley's video on Connect, talks about the social connection aspects of it so elegantly. Jennifer's video on Eat, my video on stress. Hopefully, they'll see afresh the interconnection, the synergy effect. But also, hopefully, we've added some specifics to the how rather than just to the what. And I do want to end off with the issue of tracking pack. In the program, we invite people to just check in every day for a minute and just say what you did. Uh, Write down what you did in a minute because, in less than a minute actually, because what is the benefit of that uh, in terms of people actually doing that little exercise every day in terms of tracking what they did and what's one sort of small improvement that they found? Yeah, I find it incredibly important. And sometimes I get even surprised how important it is. Even for myself, it's like, well, I know that I exercised and I know how important it is. Yet somehow writing it down and tracking it, it documents it for me. And I love to check, you know, my weekly progress, my daily progress. Mm -hmm. And if I don't have that tracking mechanism, I do kind of feel a little bit, a little bit lost with that, even with something that I'm very knowledgeable about. So I can't emphasize enough how important it is to to track those things. Yeah, what a great way to, to end off, you know, that reality is tracking is just another example of seeing that you're winning and seeing that you're winning is contagious and contagiousness and consistency is what generates new wiring and new wiring of new habits and with new habits comes a new lifestyle and that's a great point to end. Pat, thank you so much for your wisdoms and for your many years of experience and the way you've shared it so magnanimously on the thinkheart.totalbrain.com platform. Great. It was a pleasure to be on this. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. <laughs>